If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everybody. It's Dr. Z. Welcome to the Z-Dog MD show. Okay, there's a huge problem right now uh, with this COVID pandemic, and it, it relates to education. How do we rapidly support our frontline clinical staff, our nurses, our doctors, our respiratory therapists, everybody in a hospital or clinic setting who's taking care of this with education, training? How do you put on and take off PPE? How do you deal with ventilated patients in the ICU? There's a million questions, and there are very few teachers who have the time now, because everybody's working, to be able to train people on the front lines. Well. It turns out there may be, once again, a technological way we can amplify the teaching. We can make it customized for your situation while pulling in best practices from around the country that can be applied right there on the front lines. It can save lives, not just for our patients, but actually for healthcare professionals themselves. And I found one of these bright spots right here in the Bay Area, a company called Elemeno that is doing something quite remarkable. And I have two of their peeps today as guests on the show. Um, we're gonna do it by Zoom because social distancing. And the first is Dr. Um, Arup Roy Berman. He is the uh, former director of the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit at UCSF Benioff Children's Hospital in San Francisco. He's now the CEO and founder of Elemento. And then we have uh, Ashley Ramirez, who has a million letters after her name, but she's a pediatric nurse practitioner uh, in practice here in the Bay Area, and she's a clinical specialist for Elemento. Guys, welcome to the show. Let's get our learn on. Arup. How are you? Thanks, Steve. <laughs> Hi, Ashley. Hey, good to be here. So now Hi. that we, we've gone through the introductions, um, Arup, maybe you can start by telling me what was it that sort of prompted you to, to start this company and what problem are we solving here during COVID? You know, um, I've been in practice for about 20 years and in Pete's critical care, we took all of our call at the bedside at night. So really working hand in hand with our nurses and really understanding their pains well. And watching over that past 20 years, how medical complexity just growing exponentially. So much we're expecting our teams to be able to master. And as that pile gets bigger and bigger and bigger, you just can't. And what that means is we get more and more practice variation. That means mistakes. Mistakes even by very hardworking, well-intentioned people. And the real driver was, so we were seeing that, you know, despite people working so hard, things were getting missed, patients were getting harmed. What could we do through technology? You know, technology, this stuff today, the only reason it succeeds is it because it makes our consumer life, our home life easier. 
you know, it enables us. But in healthcare, that technology was just a barrier growing bigger and bigger, pushing us away from the patient. So we said, how could we bring that convenience to the the consumer space into the clinical space so it could help all of us, me, doctors, nurses like Ashley, respiratory therapists, all of us more quickly master what we need to do and do it the right way. Better care for our patients, we feel better too. And when you put that in the setting of COVID, that is just amplified. So, so I, want, I want to say something about this because what you're saying is take the technology that we know and love already that actually works. So whether it's mobile device technology, whether it's web-based technology, it's very different than creating a massive platform for, you know, technology and training like, you know, an EHR or something where it's, you know, behind a million different walls and all of this. You just said, well, look, this isn't about HIPAA and, and, and that, it's about training staff. And we can do that the way staff learn, which is on their device or on a web browser quickly uh, and, and effectively. And, and that way you reduce what you said, care variation, which is near and dear to my heart. But we ought to be using best practices and then tailoring them to the patient at hand. And so this was something that really got my attention. And during COVID, when we're trying to train people, how are you rolling this out now to institutions and, and, and what, what kind of things are you doing around COVID? Because I tell you, dude, it, it is, it's heartbreaking when I hear from frontline nurses in particular who tell me, like, Z, like, you don't understand. We are terrified because no one's told us properly how to take care of these patients, how to put our stuff on and take it off. What's the appropriate, they change it all the time. I, I don't, I haven't looked at a ventilator in forever. Now I'm being asked to float and help and do all this stuff. Now, how can I get up to speed? And so that's why this really interested me. Uh, and what are your thoughts on this? Sure. Um, there's, I'd say there's three points that we're trying to address. One of them is team communication. You know, if I'm a nurse in the ED or a doctor in the ED, I'm getting the blast of multiple emails a day, plus everything on a very large hospital internet about everything my hospital cares about. But for me, my world is the ED. That's what matters. And you add to this mix that media frenzy all around us, so much information overload. It's so hard to separate signal from noise. So what we do is we can help that platoon commander, if you will, that unit manager, the ED director. These are the nuggets. Z, I want you as an ER doc to know. This is what I've filtered. So me as a frontline staff person, I'm seeing what is important to my environment. And I've got a single point of truth that is curating all that information that what is constantly changing and relevant to me. So there's team communication. The second point is training. The way that we all learn today, it's about adult learning. It's what we call micro learning, small bite-sized units I consume in the moment. You know, it's what I need to know right now. Put me in a classroom for an hour, 80% of what goes in this year pops out the other. But it's about, I need to put on my PPE now. Great. Can I see that here in a video? Boom. So that's the ideal point of care training. Or if you look at, um, you know, you were bringing up that uh, example of a ventilator. And let me pull that back a little bit more to one that's even more common with that cross between professions. You know, we're used to the respiratory therapist giving the NEBS, the nurse doing the nursing piece. But in this COVID situation where we're trying to minimize exposure to people, if I'm all bundled up in PPE and I'm there with the patient and now, hey, I need to give a NEB, let me cross train to be able to do that too. Yeah. And I'll give you one last piece real quick. The, the third piece is sharing practices that we are all across the country tackling the same problems. 
There may be some little nuances about how we do something in our local facility, but it is how to put on the PPE. If it is how to set up that ventilator, how can we all come together as a community, get out of our institutional silos? We're doing it really well right here. Wonderful. Let me grab that, approve it, and do it in my facility. Yeah, and, and that, that, that makes perfect sense. And if you look at the way the South Koreans are using technology to cohese public health and things like that, we can do that here too. Same thing, care variation. And Ashley, I want you to weigh in on this because you are a frontline practicing nurse. In fact, you were just last night on shift and are coming in now sleep deprived to do the show because you care about this. So tell me, what what's your experience with this and why did you get yeah, she involved? She looks great too. She looks great. I don't, you know, why do you look so bad, Arup? I don't understand, you're, you're in home isolation. So Ashley, tell me tell me your, your thoughts on this thing and how it works to, to, to help nurses in particular. Yeah, I mean, I've been a nurse for the past uh, 14 years in the PEDS ICU and NICU um, past five years as advanced practice working in fetal medicine and then cardiology and CT surgery. So with that level, um, you know, my job uh, working with the CT surgeons was um, how do I get their message out, which is a similar message that a lot of these managers and educators are, are dealt with or handed with, and especially in covid like, how do you, when you make a quick um, change in practice, how do I let the staff know? Um, the current state of methods right now is by email or by flyers or by, you know, if you happen to be on day shift that day during the huddle. Um, and to me, um, when I was working as a nurse practitioner, Elemento was piloting in the PEDS ICU there. And so I saw the technology and I said, this is really the space that we need to be moving to, um, as we are saying uh, we need to utilize technology to help us. Um, we just, you know, our education budgets and classes are being cut. Um, so therefore, who does that affect? Nurses, respiratory therapists. And we're just, you know, we're just trying to clamor to try to get any type of information and push it out at scale. Um, so I thought, you know, and that's kind of why I reached out to Roop because I thought this is, this is a space that we need to be in, especially as nurse educators, nurse managers, nurse directors. That, that, so what's interesting about that is that we can use a device, quickly end up with a video update at the point of care where you're quickly learning something without what you said, which is the flyer in the break room, the right. mass email that makes people want to stab their eyes out, the overwhelm of information where you don't know what's important and what's not, or the huddle where it's in person. And I'll say in the, in the Korean, the Hong Kong, the Singapore experience, social distancing within hospitals during COVID. Right. Right. So we can't even that's our only method right now is huddles. And that's even being separated because we can't all cohort together. So now we're really trying to um, grapple with what we're supposed to do and how we're sending out message. So, so so Ashley, you guys came up with this before covid as a solution. Mm -hmm. And now it seems like it's the perfect fit for massive mass rapid, updatable and controllable education of, of staff during this. Have you guys rolled it out in different institutions now? Um, yeah, well, we definitely have clients in place um, across the nation. Um, and so they're immediately the first clients that we started to work with, you know, trying to say, how can we help? What can we start creating for you? How do we push this information out? So we quickly, I work closely with the Children's Hospital in uh, New Orleans. Um, which right now they're unfortunately a hotspot and they're in a huge crisis right now. 
Um, so we quickly were able to build out, um, you know, a portal for them as we call it, coin it as a navigator, but it's just a streamlined way to get all of their information, whether it's from the CEO, from the managers, and then down to the practice variations that they're required from the respiratory therapist to hands-on training. We have a unique way to be able to kind of organize that information. So when you're in the unit and you need that information quickly, you can just grab it. Um, you can click onto it. You can look at pictures. Um, you know, our therapists over there are well-versed so they can, um, you know, spit out short videos just from their iPhone, send it to us. We mash it together and we're able to put it up within a day. So, so, so let, yeah, let me ask about that. So it, let's mm -hmm. say I'm a nurse manager and I've just gotten word from the infectious infection control department that, hey, there's a new way that we can use, um, you know, chlorhexidine or whatever it is to mm -hmm. sterilize X, Y, or Z. Okay. I need to get this out right now. I get on my phone, I go, okay, everybody, this is what we need to do. We just learned this. This is the new piece of information, blah, 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 blah. Send it to, to Elemento. Elemento then processes it and sends it out as a thing via the app. So whether they're looking on the app or whether they're on a web browser, they can quickly get an update. Yep. Did I do that justice? And is that how that yeah, works? Yeah, yeah, we definitely, go ahead. <laughs> I guess what, what I would add to that is that for some of our more um, advanced users, if they want, the keys themselves, that they can drive that, there's functionality they can do themselves. And that would be kind of the classic example for us is at the emergency department at UCSF on Parnassus. It's ground zero for us here in California for that emergency response to COVID. Uh, they were on the leading edge. They had deployed Elemental last year and January 27th is the first time they started putting COVID specific information into the ED support at Parnassus. That has just grown every day, multiple times a day, additional updates to it. People have a point of truth. And what's been beautiful is that our leaders there, uh, Dr. Gene Noble, who is the Director of Disaster Preparedness, and Dr. Maria Raven, Vice Chair of the Department and Chief of the, Depart uh, of the ED, they have both advocated for sharing those practices with other hospitals in need. So we took that and last weekend, Sonoma Valley Hospital was asking for help. We connected with them and within 12 hours of that initial call, we were up and live and deployed in their hospital with a blend of shared content from UCSF's ED plus their own content. And I will add, as we've been doing this around the country, announced just this morning, El Camino Hospital System in Mountain View and Los Gatos. They gave the go ahead, we wanna do this. We are proceeding on a verbal agreement alone and we will be live today in both hospitals across all of their inpatient units, plus importantly, environmental services because people gotta be able to keep the place clean um, after you know such patients through. Okay, I got to interrupt you for a second. Okay, there's so much crazy, <laughs> awesome stuff here. And this is why I, I agreed to do this because, and I get pitched a lot of dumb apps, uh, Arup, a lot, a lot of people. I get emails every day, I'll check out my app to solve COVID. And I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. But I respond, thank you for working on this. We're swamped. But when I heard what you were doing, it, it just clicked. And there's several things here. The fact that you can take a center of excellence like UCSF and scale their knowledge out into the world, whether it's rural hospital or a community hospital or another academic center is tremendous. The fact that you can 
get the thing live in a day goes to show that you've kept it simple. You've kept it freaking simple. It's not behind a billion firewalls and crushed by, uh, by HIPAA and all that because it doesn't need to be. It's flexible and usable at the point of care very fast, which is another huge thing. And the third thing is physician and nurse leadership means it's not gonna suck. It's not gonna be technology built by tech nerds for tech nerds, it's actually gonna work. And it, I was hoping you could show us exactly, because we might be able to screen share here, and I wonder if sure. now's a good time to show yeah. me that. Let me show you something, just uh, we'll do a real quick little preview um, and jump in here. All right, so what you're looking at over here is the application as it would look on a phone. You can favorite your own to customize yourself. Your leadership can assign content to you. We can make distribution fun through gamified challenges, day shift on night shift, medical ICU on surgical ICU. And importantly, we can drive recognition because especially at a time where morale is tough and we're distancing ourselves socially, how can we at least digitally thank each other for the hard work we're doing every day? So if I jump out on this one, if we're looking at on a desktop version, Here's your team card um, and how easy search is. I can come in here and I can say search PPE. If I do that, what do I get? You know, you see here anything that's tagged to PPE, starting with the name. Here's my PPE resources. Jump in. Notes on this. How do I want to put on or put off, take off PPE? I can jump in in here. And here we go. You know, quick two-minute video on what I need to do to put this on. So, you know, I can find things in that manner. I can also come in, if I'm from my homepage, go straight into the navigator. And if I'm in the navigator here, it may be, you know what, I want to dig into how to swab a patient. Well, great. You know, it's text plus pictures, things that I can find right in the palm of my hand, mm. what I need in the moment so that I can do it right. That kind of just-in-time coaching, if you will. And what I love about it is that we can add in the supplies that your hospital actually have because a lot of the generic Elsevier and all that stuff, it's just, um, you know, you won't have the same type of supplies or equipment. So what I like about this is we're really customizing it to your hospital, your unit, so that you can really close that last gap to deliver the same uniform care. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I see it's branded with your institution and all that, which is nice because it then customized, but at the same time, you can scale across institutions, shared mm -hmm. learning. Um, exactly. What I loved about that is that you have right there, like you said, how do you do a swab, right? How, how do you properly get back far enough? And, you, and when you need it, you're like, man, I've forgotten how to do this pop it up right there uh, or on your workstation that you're charting on anyways. And again, it allows us to keep distance. Um, we're gonna have people on the show this week that are gonna talk about how they're training frontline staff. Now this is a way to scale their ability to train, just like our show is a way to scale a message like yours, right? So what you're doing is actually very aligned actually with what we do on our platform. So I think that's another reason I think there was an obvious kinship there. Ashley, um, what's been the response from frontline nurses? Because you know, any more information that we're fed, especially if it comes from above, <laughs> tends yeah. to be met with resistance. Do you find yeah. that your platform is met with resistance or do the frontline nurses embrace it more? No, I think they do. I think, um, you know, there's, we have a different uh, mixed generation in nursing, I, I would say. Um, so definitely it's been slower adopted um, in some people who are used to their 
cookbooks, you know, or their folder, you know, looking at it by hand or by bulletin boards. Um, but we're seeing actually an uptake once they get slowly introduced, they see the technology that it's easy friction, and then they adopt it and they are looking at things. Um, of course, the um, millennials or post-millennials, they love technology. And so once they go in, it's easy to just search and find the stuff that you need. So we definitely see that they're happy. Um, but mostly what I'm happy about too is the educators and the directors. Um, it, pro it provides a space um, to be able to communicate effectively to all of their front line. Um, and I will say, and my clients in New Orleans and across the board, uh, the most viewed uh, content pieces are the weekly updates. So that to me tells me staff want, they want to hear what the managers and the directors are telling them. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's a cool technology and I love it. That, that I want to add uh, something on there. Um, are you familiar with the terms um, old power and new power? I'm not, although it sounds, uh, it sounds vaguely <laughs> awesome, like comic book level awesome. <laughs> so uh, let me uh, quickly talk about what that means and, and how that relates here. So old power is that typical hierarchy from the top down, kind of going back to the Middle Ages. You've got the king, you've got, you know, the, the nobility, and then you've got the peasants. Everything just flows downhill one way. And old power has been the structure of corporate America for years. It's been the structure in hospital for years, um, where the frontline staff are passive consumers of information and orders, but don't necessarily feel like they are heard. So the idea of new power is what companies like your Google and your Facebook are doing. It's really listening to the user. What is it that you want and allowing the user to be able to rate content, to be able to share content, to be able to create content, right? And so if we bring that into this hospital setting, what's been for me really cool to see is that you've got that rock star nurse who knows how to do the sternal wound dressing. You've got that nurse who knows how to prime the dialysis circuit. You know, she is your rock star that every manager says, oh, go see how Ashley does it or go see how Stephanie does it. In this case, we're able to take those rock stars. They can capture it on here. And then we compact it. We put the text overlays, go in the system. Their manager approves it. And now your frontline rock stars are being elevated as teachers in their community as well. This makes a lot of sense. Now, I want to get into the elephant in the room, which is always the case with technology. But if it doesn't make my hospital money, then we're not mm -hmm. going to get it. Or an IT guy going, well, if we can't put it behind our firewall and control every click and clack, then my whole reason for existence no longer exists. And so I can't justify my salary or the thousands of meetings I force people to go through every day. I mean, are you seeing this or are you seeing a more nimble response from people who are seeing due to frontline pressure, people wanting this, like you said, a new power structure, which of course threatens old hierarchies a little bit, but we know that that's the future. We know that's where it's gonna be. We know that's the future of organizational uh, dynamics in organizations too, that that the top-down management is no longer gonna work. And, it, and actually COVID may wash that old model away. And that's one of the exciting few silver linings in all this. But anyways, can you speak to any of that? Yeah, so... First off, on that idea of, um, you know, can we show that it saves money? And we've got data here that shows we can cut costs on training because you're not pulling people off the line. You can help them to digest that in the moment. And our educators will tell you they're about 25% more efficient. 
So we can show that labor savings there. On the other side, we can also show savings in outcomes. We've got studies that we have published and have presented nationally showing that we've been able to decrease care variability and reduce hospital-acquired infections. Mm. So that's a money saving there too. The bigger barrier it is, is this is a different way of learning and teaching. Mm. It's something different. And you know, when we think about healthcare, we do that oath as doctors, you know, first do no harm. And for the healthcare institution, it's about, well, I don't want to go first with making change. I want to see something proven out by somebody else. And that's why I think as healthcare as an industry, we're such a late adopter when it comes to the technologies that have succeeded in so many other industries. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, sorry, no, go no, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. So um, with, with that in mind, when we come to hospitals, the question is for them, is it worth it for us to make that change? Is the pain of change, how does that compare to the pain of staying the same, right? And for us with this pain of change, we tell them, look, it's easy. They don't believe it until they start seeing other people doing it. Just like you saw here with these series of hospitals hearing, oh, one hospital that is so easy, I want to go next. And when we come to um, the idea of the um, IT leadership, there are different personas out there. Um, I would say there are the personas that are exactly what you said. I want to keep everything behind the firewall so that I am able to control it, to be able to control the data. The downside is, is that your staff, like say Ashley, before she comes in for her shift, she has no idea what's on the other side of that wall, what she's going to walk into. If you can allow that data to flow, we have no protected health information. If you can allow that information to flow transparency, transparently to people at home, they can psychologically prepare themselves for what is going to be a scary and strenuous shift. Let them understand that more as they come and let them prep. It's like if you're sending soldiers out to battle, do you just throw them on the front line? Or do you prep them before they go in, right? And so there is that block that some IT leaders have had. There are other IT leaders, like I talked about El Camino. How about we mention Deb Murrow, who is their, their CIO. Deb's take was, you know what? We do need to get this information. We do need to support ourselves. We do need to commute. And I love how this is so easy to do. Let's do this. And then I dug into it a bit after our conversation. And she said, oh, yeah, you know, I used to be a nurse. Uh -huh. Bingo. Clinical Bingo. relevance. You have empathy for what is happening on the front lines. And that is the biggest missing piece that we see. When we talk to different hospitals, those where leadership has empathy for the front lines, where they are actually talking to their front lines or the front lines can talk to them, there the dialogue moves very quick. Those where there's layers behind, we have people on the front lines who are hurting about, I want to do this, but I just can't get it up the ladder. Man, that's the perfect transition into a call to action here because I was talking to Eric Topol, Dr. Eric Topol about this, and he said, we are the only industry where we have given up our leadership to people that have nothing to do with our industry, that have never touched a patient, that have no clinical experience. We're the only industry that allows that to happen. And 
and it's it's got to change. And so one thing we can do is let's have a call to action here for the ZPAC. If you are interested in this kind of thing for training, we'll send you to a website link, right, that you're going to give us uh, that we'll put in the Absolutely. description. And I'll put it up on uh, on the video as well if I can. Uh, although I want to get this out quickly, hopefully, because I want people to understand that this is time sensitive with COVID and you guys can spin up training quickly. That's why we're doing this now. And talk to your leadership, your clinical leadership about this as quickly as you can, because this is a way to scale some of the best teaching we have, our best practices in your organization and outside of your organization during this crucial time when there aren't enough people, there isn't enough support. And we, you know, everybody on the front lines is suffering. Here's a way to relieve at least a little bit that suffering and improve the care for our patients and keep us safe at the same time. So I, first of all, thank you as a fellow UCSF person for doing this um, with your clinical training and Ashley for coming on the show <laughs> after working a shift. Come on, it's typical typical nurse, right? Oh, by the way, you're working on your DMP now, right? Yeah, Dude. I got accepted over at Johns Hopkins and I'm gonna be doing a dual DNP MBA. What a gunner, really? You're gonna do a dual MBA DNP. So you're gonna, you're basically gonna be running a health system at some point and I'm gonna have to, you know, kiss your butt and do all the things that, just so I can make sure. No, I, you won't have to because she's gonna have empathy for what's going on. No, she yeah. Will understand this right here. We're gonna work together. <laughs> I love it. Guys, thanks a million for being on the show. Thanks for doing what you're doing. I'm gonna share all your links. Um, and thanks for being a part of this movement. Guys out there, stay safe during this. Do me a favor, uh, subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. We're gonna have all the links to LMNO uh, available for you to check out. Please check it out, give us feedback, leave comments, share with anyone who'll listen, and stay safe during this time. Um, we're all in this together, we're gonna get through this together, but we're gonna have to look at every bright spot we can, learn what we can, and make it happen. Uh, Ashley, thank you. Thank you. Arup, <laughs> thank you, my brother. Thank you, and thank you to all of those frontline heroes out there. Yeah. You guys are making the difference for all of us across the nation. Listen to this guy. Listen to what he's saying, uh, especially you leaders and government. Listen to what he's saying. All right, guys, I love you. We out. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. 
So, and that, that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.